Hi, this is episode 62 of K. Ray Reads to You. Today we have chapter 12 of The Apple Stone by Nicholas Stewart Gray. And chapter 12 is called The Monster. Something had been preying on my mind for a goodish while, so on Sunday morning I collected my relatives in the orchard. But the fine weather was showing signs of breaking. It was a grey day, with a chilly wind blowing, and some clouds drifting up in a threatening sort of way. I said, "'I want to ask you a question, Nigel, and you've got to tell the absolute truth.' "'What a hope,' said Douglas. "'You can always ask,' said Nigel. "'Do you remember what you were telling us last Sunday?' I said, "'about the church?' He said, "'How could he possibly remember what he'd said a week ago?' He said it was mean to hold things against people forever. He said having imagination was not the same as being a liar. He said he was an artist anyway, and lived in a different world from all the ordinary, dull, boring people who— "'Apart from all that,' I interrupted the flow, "'who told you the church is haunted?' He stopped in mid-argument and choked. Missy thumped him on the back. Douglas sprang forward to help her, and Nigel reeled under their attentions. I caught him, and stared at him sternly. He said, "'It wasn't a lie, Jeremy. Someone did tell me.' "'Who?' Nigel writhed a bit in my grasp. His eyes slid away from mine, and I saw him beginning to think sideways. I shook him. "'Now don't start inventing things,' I said. "'Try to be straightforward for once. "'This is very important, Nigel. "'Who told you that something is haunting the church by crying in it? "'You couldn't forget a thing like that.' "'All right,' said my cousin. "'I remember, but I'm not going to tell you.' "'His mouth set in a straight line, and he began to scowl. "'If Jeremy's serious about this, Nigel,' said Joe, "'Perhaps you'd better—' "'Well, I won't,' said he crossly. "'I don't care what you say. "'I don't care if you kill me. "'I won't tell. "'Not if you cut my head off.' "'If it wasn't for having to explain it to your parents,' "'I began through my teeth. "'Then I stopped. "'There had been a curious note in my cousin's voice. "'Even through his usual exaggerations, "'he seemed to mean what he was saying.' "'It's a matter of honour," he now added. I had let him go, and he stood scraping one foot against the other ankle, leaving a good deal of mud on his sock, and scowling even more hideously. "'What you mean is,' said Joe, "'that whoever told you all that drivel told you not to pass it on in the first place, and you did pass it on to us, and now you don't want it to get back to whoever told you that you've told.' "'Nigel said she was muddling him. "'She'd muddled me a bit. "'Oh, come on, Nigel,' said Joe. "'We're all very pleased with you for saving Ragnar yesterday, "'so don't be annoying now. "'Was it a friend who told you those lies about the church?' "'No,' said Douglas, grinning. "'It was me.' "'He gave us a few seconds, and then went on. "'I made him promise not to say it was me, Campbell's honour. "'Naturally, I didn't think he'd keep it. "'Must be a new thing in his family, inherited from his mum,' he added nastily. "'And what's more, he was only showing off. "'If you'd started to cut his head off, he'd have told fast enough.' 
I managed to grab Nigel again just in time. "'Kill him later,' I said. "'Douglas, who told you?' "'I did,' said Missy calmly. "'And old Arthur told me, and he said it was a secret. "'He says it's been a secret for hundreds of years, "'and the vicar wouldn't like people to go talking about it. "'He said it was only because he'd been drinking cider that he told.' "'The vicar'd been drinking?' said Joe. "'Old Arthur,' explained Missy. "'And he said, he said, uh, <laughs> and he... "'and he said he shouldn't have said it, "'and he'd get the sack if I told.' "'Well,' I said, "'now that everyone has told all, "'except Nigel,' I added fairly, "'I think we ought to do something about it.' "'You mean stopping the rumours?' said Joe. "'Not exactly.' "'I explained what I had in mind. "'When we got to the church, we left Ragnar at the gate "'in case there was anything going on inside,' this being Sunday morning, but no one else was there. We went straight through and up the winding stairs to the top of the tower. "'If there's any truth in the story,' I said as we climbed, "'there'll be some sign up here, because of my dream.' "'Oh, your poem,' said Douglas, rather scoffingly. "'Tell it to us again,' said Joe. So I quoted once more the curious little jingle that had been inside my head when I woke.' If a lie, pass by, let be. If true, come you, help me. With these words I'd half dreamed a sound of tears and bells, and a jumbled image of stone and coloured glass, and a square tower. And now we stood on that tower. My family was looking at me in a somewhat concerned silence. All right, I said. I may be muddle-headed, and wander-witted, and wool-gathering, and all that, but if there might be, by any chance, something really crying here. "'We're all helping you to look, Jeremy,' said Joe. A little later, I found it. We'd been up in that tower a dozen times, and we must have seen the gargoyle a dozen times, but now I found myself staring at the two green stains that ran down its dreadful little face, stains that couldn't have been made by rain, for its head was tilted too far forward for rain to have made just those two green marks from its eyes to its chin. "'Tears?' said Missy. "'Is this it, Jeremy?' said Joe at the same time. "'Yes,' I replied to both questions. "'I don't know to this day why I was so sure, but I was sure.' "'You know it's a demon, don't you?' said Douglas, inspecting it with interest. "'If you bring a demon to life, you have to take up sorcery, "'and I thought you didn't like it much when you tried it with the broomstick.' "'It is a demon,' said Joe, worriedly. "'Oh, Jeremy, you'd better leave it alone.' "'Crying?' I said." My sister chewed her knuckle and looked extremely uncertain, and Missy craned her neck over the parapet of the tower to stare at the gargoyle. "'Poor little devil,' she observed. Joe made up her mind. "'I suppose there's no way out of it,' said she. I looked at them. Joe, having decided, was now dogged and determined. Missy was nodding her head vigorously in agreement. Nigel was watching me thoughtfully, and Douglas seemed merely excited, as if a demon could only be a source of entertainment to him. 
but I knew they were all ready to back me up, whatever I did, and whatever might happen, as they had always done in the past. It was a good family to have, in an emergency. I took the apple-stone from my neck, and rubbed the groove left on my skin where the cord had dragged. The stone was terribly heavy by now. As I let it roll into the palm of my hand, I wondered how much longer anyone could carry that weight. Yet it wouldn't be safe to leave it in a drawer or anywhere, however well hidden, it might be found by someone. Mrs. Chug, perhaps. Jeremy, said Joe, if you're going to do it, for heaven's sake do it, and let's know the worst. Just let me think a moment, I said. It's a bit of a responsibility to let loose a demon, even one that's been crying. It's crying now, said Missy. And it was. There were tears running out of its open stone eyes, following the old stains down its cheeks, and dripping from its chin in big wet drops to the ground at the foot of the tower. "'It is raining,' observed Nigel. "'But it was only a thin drizzle, not nearly enough to cause those drops.' "'Don't do it if you d don't want to,' my cousin went on. "'Don't do it if you can't handle it,' said the apple-stone. "'It was glowing very brightly on my hand. "'The patterns showed more deeply marked on its surface, "'and suddenly it seemed strange to me. "'Not a toy, not a plaything, "'but something very powerful and dangerous, "'never to be used lightly, as we'd used it, "'but always with caution and respect, "'and only by those who knew exactly what they were about.' "'This gargoyle is not as simple as it seems,' I said. "'It is not,' said the apple-stone, with a deep sigh. "'This is real trouble.' "'For us?' I asked. "'For everyone, including me. "'That creature has been troubled for a very long time, "'but if you try to help, you'll be tampering with things far beyond your knowledge. "'You are on the fringe of the mysteries,' said the stone, "'and even I cannot see what the end may be.' "'it would probably be best to leave it to its misery.' "'Missy managed, by stretching out recklessly, "'to touch the gargoyle, "'just where the stain showed wet under a new stream of water. "'She put her finger in her mouth. "'Salty,' said she. "'It's crying real tears, Jeremy.' "'Go on, Jeremy,' said Joe. "'And I held the apple-stone where Missy had laid her finger.' The face of the demon twitched. Its gaping mouth closed tightly, and it gave a muffled sob. Its eyes had lost their blind white stare, and were blinking quickly. They were round and alive, and as black as coal, and each had a glimmer of fire in it. Its hands clutched the parapet of the tower, and they were less like claws than they had been. Its skin was brown and dirty, but fairly human. In fact, the thing now seemed a sort of cross between a monkey and a young child of about six. Then it spoke, and the voice was that of a child too, though not of a very amiable child. It was a harsh, whining, ugly little voice. "'Help!' it cried. "'I'm fallen!' Douglas and Joe got there first. I was still wondering just what I'd done, and by the time I got to the side of the tower, the gargoyle was among us. It wiped its eyes with its hands, peering slyly around. 
"'Me lords and ladies,' it whimpered. Then it gave a huge sniff and grinned, showing teeth that were still pointed, but not nearly as big as when they'd been made of stone. "'Some would ha' let me fall,' it said, "'and them making the sign against the evil eye to make me drop the faster. But tis easy to see you be sorcerers.' And its wicked little face lit up. "'None else would let a demon loose.' "'Now look,' I began uneasily. "'But I must tell you straight, gentles, "'that I can't do much of the true black art,' said the gargoyle. "'I'm not one of the great ones. "'I was never aught but a very little un. "'Horrid tricks I can manage,' it added, boastfully. "'Like making folk squint, or muddling their minds, "'or twisting their tongues, so that they stammers and stutters.' "'I can do that without your help,' snapped Nigel, going red. "'And I'm muddle-headed enough for every one,' I said quickly. "'No, you're not,' said Joe fiercely. "'And Nigel only stutters when he's away from his home.' "'Then she turned on the gargoyle. "'You'll do no horrid tricks, do you hear? "'We're not sorcerers. "'We brought you here to help you.' "'The creature was still changing during all this. "'It looked a bit less like a monkey now, "'and more like a child.' but somehow an aged child, a thin, brown, twisty-looking child, dressed in a rough tunic of what seemed to be sacking and with bare feet. Its hair was long and black and tangled. Its ears were still pointed, though not as huge and bat-like as before. <clears throat> it gave us a scornful grin and said, Many sorcerers don't care to admit to it. "'What's your name?' said Missy. "'The witch called me Little Tom.' "'What witch?' asked Douglas eagerly. "'Her what owned me. I was her familiar demon, like now I'm yours.' "'No, no,' I said. "'You've got it all wrong. We don't want a familiar.' "'But you've got one,' grinned Little Tom. And he started to hop from foot to foot, gleefully. "'I'm free, I'm free,' he cried. "'I'm free again, to work me tricks, "'to stir the spells in the pot, "'to raise the winds and blow off the chimneys, "'to put the withering cold charms on the pigs and cattle, "'to loose the powers of the dark again.' "'Yes, well, we'll have nothing like that,' I said sternly. "'You can just stop all this nonsense and—' "'The creature poked out a pointed tongue at me "'and ran to Douglas.' It seemed to guess he was its most likely customer. "'Don't let him hurt me!' it shrieked, clutching him. "'You be my master. You command me. You're the bold one, the dark one.' While I was wondering what to do, the others went into action. Joe disentangled Douglas and the demon. Nigel got between them, and Missy said loudly and furiously, "'You nasty thing, little Tom! Leave him alone, or I'll smack you!' The gargoyle pointed at her sneeringly, and she smacked his hard hand. "'Ow!' yelped the demon. "'You hurt me. I'll put a charm against you. I'll knot your hair till you'll never get it free. I'll give you toothache and the grips.' "'You behave,' said Joe angrily. "'Or we'll sling you off the tower,' said Nigel. Little Tom backed from them, whimpering. His wicked face looked surprised and hurt, and there were tears on his cheeks again. "'No,' he said, "'no, don't!' 
and of course Joe instantly softened. She said no one would hurt him, if he'd only be good, and stop going on about spells and nastiness like that. It's me training, ma'am, he muttered. Most of em want such things. We don't, I said. Speak for yourself, said Douglas. The coal-like eyes shot sideways to him for an instant, and then swiveled around slyly at the rest of us. The demon then decided to change the subject. "'I'm hungry,' he announced in a pathetic whimper. "'I'm thirsty, me good lords and gentle ladies, and cold, bitter cold.' And indeed, now he mentioned it, it was cold up there on the open tower. It was raining quite hard, too, and the wind was swishing in the trees of the churchyard. I saw goose-pimples on the bare legs and arms of the little gargoyle, and Joe had seen them, for she now said, worriedly, "'We must get you into a warm place, and some food for you. "'Er, just what sort do you eat, Tom?' she added, a bit uncertainly. "'Milk!' said the gargoyle, in an eager squeak. "'Oh, milk, lady! Warm, if possible, but, oh, just milk, anyhow. "'It's long since I tasted good milk.' "'You shall have lots,' promised Joe, "'if you'll just come with us, quietly and nicely, without attracting attention. "'And that isn't going to be so easy, dressed the way you are.' "'He can have my raincoat,' said Douglas. "'It was much too big for the demon, but at least it covered him from neck to ankle. "'Joe rolled up the sleeves a bit, so that they didn't hang too far below his hands, "'and he looked fairly human,' except for the thin bare feet and the tangle of hair. His face had filled out some more, so that he didn't seem quite so aged, though still an odd and wicked child. "'Put my scarf around his head,' suggested Missy, "'and he can pretend to be a girl.' They did this. I suppose some girls might look like that, if they were very unlucky, and yet he wasn't truly ugly now, just odd. "'What about his feet?' I said. "'I've got my slippers inside my boots,' said Missy. The slippers were too small, but the boots fitted him, and Missy said she liked getting her feet wet. We turned to go down from the tower, and the demon suddenly ran all around, putting his tongue out at the other gargoyles. "'Stare, stare!' he squealed. "'Yah, to the lot of you! "'You're nothing but carvings, and bad ones at that. "'You weren't ever real demons like me, "'and I'm free, I'm free, "'and away to me demonry again.' "'Come on, Tom, and stop being so naughty,' said Joe, "'or you'll get no milk.' "'Yes, me lady dear,' said Tom. "'He came quite meekly, "'but the fire-glow was twinkling at the back of his eyes,' "'and I caught a look between him and Douglas that made me feel nervous. "'When we reached the gate, Ragnar, patiently waiting there, "'took one look and bolted. "'On our way through the village we met the baker "'crossing the pavement between his truck and a garden gate. "'Little Tom muttered something. "'The baker dropped two loaves and a box of cakes in the gutter. "'He then muttered something. "'Douglas giggled. "'It may have been just an accident,' but we hurried the gargoyle along, and managed to get to our house without further trouble. 
we went in through the kitchen, and Ragnar, who had returned home on his own, set up a howling that startled us all. The great dog then dived under the sideboard, at least he tried to, but as there was only a six-inch space, he had no success with this move. He then tried to jump out of the window, which was shut. Luckily the panes were so small that he didn't break any, and Nigel and I grabbed him before he took the whole window frame with him. Little Tom just stood there, grinning and making clicking noises with his tongue. Joe caught him by the shoulder and dragged him out of the room. Ragnar suddenly became very subdued and retired under the table with a dismal stare. "'Well, I thought I was doing the right thing,' I said. "'We all thought so,' said Nigel. "'All but poor little Ragdog,' said Douglas. The Dane growled at him, and he went out after the others. We found the girls in the hall. Joe made a despairing gesture toward the dining-room. "'He's gone in there. The door was open, and he rushed off this very moment.' We found the demon in the conservatory, talking to Mum and Dad. "'Let me work them,' he was saying in a shrill voice. "'Let me make him come alive.' "'Who are you?' said Father. "'He's—she's a friend of ours,' I said. "'Her name's Barbara.' "'Babs,' said Douglas, grinning. "'And she's a bit of a demon, really.' "'Shut up,' I said. "'Let me play with the dolls,' cried the so-called Babs, dancing with excitement. "'It's long since I've worked dolls.' Mum, looking rather baffled, as she so often did when we were around, handed Bet Bun to the gargoyle, and he twisted it between his hands. Suddenly the thing nodded at him, and it started to talk. It was horrible. I knew he'd done something to it, and it was speaking on its own, and moving. "'Ha, ha, 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 ha,' it said nastily. "'Fetch me the foxy, then, and I'll bite through his soft old neck.' "'and let out his life at the edges. "'Darling,' said Mother, in a general sort of way. "'Put that puppet down,' said Joe angrily. "'Show me Mrs. Foxy,' shrieked the puppet, "'jumping about wildly in the hand of little Tom, "'and I'll chase her and catch her and tangle her tail "'and drive her about and around and mad and mad and mad.' "'Leave darling Bet alone,' shouted Missy.' She rushed to Tom and snatched away the puppet, and pressed it to her cheek that was scarlet with rage. I was furious, too, and yet I'd never like the wretched toys. I just hated to see a nasty little demon meddling with them to amuse himself. And it came to me suddenly that Mum and Dad were only doing a job, and one that gave pleasure to people. Only tiny tot people, but all the same. "'What an odd little friend you have,' said Father." "'Where did you meet her?' "'At dancing class,' said Douglas promptly. "'She's good at dancing. Counterclockwise,' he added. "'One can imagine,' said Dad. "'Are you close friends?' asked Mother. "'We all mumbled different things, quite inaudibly, "'except for Douglas, who said he was going to marry her.' "'Are you indeed?' said Dad. He then said it was all so sudden, and who was going to give the bride away? "'I am,' I said, "'if he's not out of this room in three seconds flat.' "'Want the other dolls,' sulked the demon. 
"'Joe, dear,' said Mother, "'why don't you take the little, er, uh, girl, "'and give her a nice glass of milk or something?' "'Milk!' yelled little Tom. "'He shot out of the room. "'Joe shot after him. "'So did Nigel and Douglas. "'My parents gazed thoughtfully after them. "'Then Father took the puppet from Missy and looked at it. "'I never saw one worked like that,' said he. "'Your little friend has a gift.' "'She'd need a better script,' said Mum. "'Missy went and hugged her around the knees, "'and said Bet Bun wasn't like that at all, not really. "'She was only being horrid because of that. "'Missy,' I said. "'Run along, darling,' said Mother. "'Go with Jeremy, and keep an eye on that, on little Babs.' "'What a hope,' I said bitterly. "'As we closed the door, Father said, "'Interesting.' Maybe we'd better make the little horrors more aggressive, if that's how the very young prefer them. We found the others, this time, in Joe's bedroom. The gargoyle was trying to persuade them that he hadn't meant any harm, and asking where was all this milk that people kept promising, and doing nothing to provide. "'I'll get it,' said Nigel curtly. He departed. The rest began to sort out clothes for our visitor.' We all ended by having lunch up in the attic, a funny sort of lunch, mostly milk and cornflakes. At the end of it Joe gave the demon a banana, and he took one bite and gave a yell of delight, and rushed with it into the toy cupboard. His table manners were a bit primitive all around. It wasn't for a good ten minutes that I realized, with a sinking heart, that he'd struck up a curious friendship with Mrs. Blossom and her kitten. I happened to overhear what he was saying to them. "'Counterclockwise around the ring, and the mouse laid in the centre, and you'll know how to make the words on the window-pane.' "'Out of there!' I shouted. I went across the room in a single bound, and lugged the demon off the shelf. "'Leave me be!' he screamed. "'Madam Rickrack wants to know!' "'Madam Rickrack can go on wanting,' I gritted. I glared at Mrs. Blossom, and she winked at me. So did the kitten. I shuddered. What had he been teaching them? "'Let's go out for a walk,' I said. "'Let's go out on the moors, as far away from any other living creatures as we can possibly get.' "'You're perfectly right,' said Joe. "'And if we have to stay there until we fall asleep in the open, then that's what we'll do,' I went on determinedly. I've made a big mistake this time, and it's my responsibility. Joe and Missy protested. They said it was theirs just as much, and Nigel said they had all agreed to what I'd done. But I'm the eldest, I told them. We got to the moors. All the dogs howled as we passed the houses and farms, and on the gate there was a black cock that flapped his wings at us. "'Knife at your throat, rooster!' shrilled little Tom. The cock fell backward off the gate. Joe rushed toward him, but he picked himself up and tore away as if he had fiends on his tail. The gargoyle shrieked with laughter, and so did Douglas. When we were all worn out with walking, we sat down on some rocks in the middle of a wet waste of moorland. Joe suddenly said, in all this turmoil, we'd got no nearer to finding out about the demon. "'Why were you crying?' said she. Little Tom eyed her cautiously, and said, 
"'Why did she want to know?' "'Only to help,' said my sister. "'He said that would be the day.' "'No one wants to help me,' said he. "'All they wants is for me to help them, "'to use me work and me powers, and to—' "'We haven't asked for your work or your powers,' I reminded him. "'It'll come,' he said morosely. "'He sat kicking his boots against the rock. "'Joe had combed some of the tangles out of his hair, "'and he'd taken off the scarf now, "'with no one to bother about the length of the black curls.' He had also been made to wash his face and hands. He wasn't at all ugly any more, only wild-looking, and with that wicked glint in his eyes, and the twist to his mouth. He now seemed to be about twelve years old, but in the body of a child of six. "'Anyone cry,' said he, "'if they was stuck up there in the cold of that old tower, with all them uglies gaping all around. Locked in the stone I was, lonely, "'and missin' the fun and the milk.' "'How did you get to be there in the first place?' I asked, "'if you were a real demon?' "'I was transformed,' said he. "'Who by?' said Douglas. "'By a witch that didn't hit it off with my witch. "'She took me from her,' said little Tom, "'by a nasty little charm. "'Did it one night, when no one were expecting such a trick.' There was me one moment, curled by the fire with me bowl of milk, and next there was me on the side of the tower, all soaked with snow, and cold, and alone, and ugly in stone. And then nothing for ages but them old horrors what had never been alive, until you gentles come, and brought me to living again. I'm grateful, he said, looking sideways at us, and I'll do anything. Good, said Douglas getting up and stretching his arms. I think I can manage you best. I know Jeremy rode the broomstick. Did you indeed, said the gargoyle, giving me an admiring glance. But he didn't really enjoy it, said Douglas quickly. Look here, said Nigel, getting up to face him. If you think you're going to be a b black magician, you can just think again. Remember, this will all end to-night, he went on with scarcely a stutter. "'and you'll only be making a fool of yourself, as usual, with no future to it. "'So shut up, and don't be so stupider than you really are, "'or I'll help Jeremy to tie you hand and foot till it's all over.' "'He ended with a certain amount of ferocity, and Douglas gave him a narrow look. "'And little Tom jumped between them, with eyes flashing, "'and an open-mouthed snarl that showed his sharp white teeth. "'He was suddenly ugly again.' "'Douglas, I'll give you power,' he yelled, "'and none shall touch you. "'You shall twist them and turn them "'and make them your slaves.' "'Hold your tongue,' said Joe fiercely. "'You horrible little brute. "'Douglas is our cousin, and we like him, "'awful as he is. "'You shan't make him any worse. "'We've tried to help you, and now I wish we hadn't. "'I wish we'd left you to cry forever.' "'Spin her!' shrieked little Tom. "'Spin her and spin her till she giddies. "'Say the words, my Douglas. "'Happer, scapper, haul and rout em, "'round and round and fall about em. "'Douglas gave a wild shout of laughter "'and joined in with the senseless words. "'And Joe began to turn, sobbing in her tracks. "'Missy ran and seized her by the hands "'and tried to hold her still. "'Oh, don't! Stop, Joe, please!' she screamed in horror. Nigel gave the demon a shove that sent it sprawling, 
and it set up a, consider- a thin wail. <clears throat> Nigel gave the demon a shove that sent it sprawling, and it set up a thin wail. In this considerable din, none of us had heard soft footsteps on the wet ground, and now someone spoke from nearby. Now give over, my dears, do. We all fell silent and turned. Old Mrs. Webber stood there, smiling at us. "'Tis the change of weather got into your heads,' said she, "'making you act so noisy and quarrelsome. "'You come to the cottage and have some nice milk "'and a scone or two that I've been baking.' "'For once she sounded completely sensible, "'and whether it was the relief of seeing someone adult, "'however old and weird, I don't know, "'but we all did exactly what she told us. "'Her cottage was not far away,' over a little rise of the moor, and when we got there we found she really had made some scones, and there was a great big brown jug of fresh milk on the table. She didn't ask any questions. She just rambled on about the weather and the flowers in her garden and the apple trees, and I, for one, found it very soothing conversation. The cottage was unexpectedly neat, with a stove glowing warm and blue and white china on the shelves, and some comfortable old chairs whose covers were well washed and darned. It was a peaceful place. I thought of the way people had decided old Mrs. Webber was dotty, and wondered where dottiness began and ended. I was lulled into a sense of security until her great cat came stalking in. He paused in the doorway and looked at us all, and then gave a soft cry, and went across to little Tom. "'Grimalkin!' whispered the demon. "'Na, na,' said old Mrs. Webber. "'Not now, my dear. Heem skipper now. Heem a good boy, like you must be. "'The darkness is so lonely,' she said, oddly. "'And tes best to live in the light, little Tom.' "'But the fun and the flying,' said he. "'She gave him a repressive nod.' "'Na, na,' she said again. "'Then she swept us all a benign and innocent look, and went on. "'Them great shrieking airplanes is forever at it, "'so leave it to them, then, is what I always says. "'And now you'd best be off home, my loves, "'while the daylight stays for you.' "'We got up obediently, "'but she put her hand on the thin shoulder of the demon. "'He can stay and help with the dishes, won't you, dearie?' "'Yes, ma'am,' said he. "'Granny,' she told him gently. "'You calls me Granny, child.' "'Granny,' said little Tom. "'The rest of us must have been gaping a bit, "'for the old lady gave us a reassuring nod. "'He'll be fine with me,' she said. "'He's been right lonely as I have, but not any more. "'Not either of us any more. "'We'll both be fine, the two of us, together.' There was a twinkle in her eyes, but not like the gleam that lived in the eyes of the demon, just amused and kind, and not the slightest bit dotty. My mind went off on its wanderings. I wondered about witchcraft. How many different forms could it take? Did every one have a trace hidden deep inside them? Or a memory from a past life that drifted near the surface from time to time? Was it used as a protection from loneliness or age, or hurt pride, 
or just a wish to be different? Perhaps dottiness happened from the same reasons. Perhaps no one ever really wanted to be wicked, but it just came over them, and they got tangled up in it and couldn't get out. After all, magic was not wicked in itself, only if it became another word for malice. Perhaps— "'Wake up, Jeremy,' said Missy. We all said good-bye to Mrs. Weber and the demon, and left the cottage. No one said much as we crossed the moor. There was a weight on all our spirits, and for the same reason. At last I said, "'It will end to-night.' <clears throat> the others said nothing, and I went on. "'Tomorrow we must go and see Mrs. Weber. At least I must. It's my fault.' "'No, it isn't,' said Joe. "'It's all of us.' "'And what can we tell her?' I said miserably. "'It's going to upset her a lot.' "'She'll break her heart,' said Joe, with a sniff. "'So will little Tom,' said Missy. "'He liked being there, all cosy. "'He'd nearly stopped looking naughty.' "'It's going to be horrible, seeing him back on the tower,' said Nigel. "'Douglas didn't speak.' There was a distant look about him that I misliked. It took me a long time to get to sleep that night. Every time I shut my eyes, <clears throat> every time I shut my eyes, I saw that hideous little stone gargoyle crouching under the guttering at the top of the tower. I saw the green stains on its cheeks where the tears had been running so long. I remembered the crying that haunted the whole church, and this time it would be forever. We couldn't free him again. I tossed and turned and groaned and tried to get to sleep, and tried not to. I thought about the look on the face of little Tom when we'd left him with Mrs. Weber, and the look on her face, too. Ragnar, who was lying on my feet like a ton of old iron, gave a deep whine. I wondered if any of us would sleep that night. I wondered if I could possibly stay awake for weeks. At least it would give the demon a little time of happiness— I wondered. In the morning we were all late for school. I couldn't keep the apple stone in its usual place around my neck. It had got so heavy in the night that its weight was too much to bear. I put it in my pocket, which it dragged down as if it were a pound of solid lead. I could feel it there all day while I wondered what to do, and knew only too well that I had no choice. I tried to think of an honourable way to escape my responsibility, but I couldn't find one. "'What is it, Westray?' said old Jones. "'I've got a frightful headache, sir,' I said, with absolute truth. "'So have I,' said he, "'from trying to attract your attention to my humble efforts at education. I think it will benefit us both if you go home.' So I went by myself to see Mrs. Weber. I would have preferred the support of my family, but thought it would spare everyone's feelings a little if they were let off this dismal expedition. I intended to take all the blame and try to soothe the old lady as best I might. But when I got to her cottage, I found nothing at all to say. I called my relatives to the orchard later. The wind had brought down a good many apples, and they lay in wet, untidy heaps all over the place. It was drizzling slightly. There was nowhere to sit down. We stood in a sort of circle, with hunched shoulders, while I told the others what I had seen and heard. 
"'He was still there,' I said. "'He was calling her Granny, as if he'd done it always.' "'I tried to explain, and she laughed. "'She said I was wool-gathering. "'She said her son came last night and brought little Tom, "'and left him there with her. "'I told them how she'd explained to me gravely "'that her son's wife had died, "'and who was better fitted to bring up the child of a wandering sailor "'than that sailor's own mother.' "'and little Tom had said he loved his granny. "'And he's a child,' I said, "'a child of six, not a demon any more. "'I don't know what's happened.' "'We put the apple-stone on the ground "'in the centre of our circle. "'It shone there more brightly than ever before, "'like a jewel in the overcast evening light. "'Why?' I said to it now, "'why did your power fail this time?' "'Did it?' said the stone. "'We all slept last night. "'Not very well, but we did sleep. "'Our eyes were shut, and we didn't speak or think of you, "'but the gargoyle hasn't gone back to its own being.' "'Hasn't he?' "'No,' I said. "'Little Tom's with Mrs. Weber, not on the church tower. "'I went and looked there on my way home, "'and there isn't a gargoyle where there used to be one.' "'But—' "'He wasn't ever a true gargoyle, was he?' said the stone. "'The crusader wasn't just a stone effigy,' said Nigel, "'but his effigy is still in the church.' "'Please, what happened?' said Missy. "'Magic can be made, and it can be unmade, "'but not twice over,' said the apple-stone slowly. "'Magic made a demon into a gargoyle,' "'and you turned him back into a demon. "'When the power broke, he would have become a gargoyle again, "'except for one thing. "'He was a child before he became a demon. "'He had two spells on him, and you could only break one. "'He moved one jump ahead, and the demon went, but the child remains.' "'Did we do that?' said Joe, wonderingly. "'Well, I helped a little, and so did Mrs. Weber.' The stone bobbed about, turning as though it looked at each of us, one after the other. It gave a weary sigh, and then said it had taken some doing. "'I had to provide papers,' it said, rather busily. "'Old Mrs. Weber will have to explain to the authorities. Like the welfare at Exeter,' it added, in what I thought was a burst of showing off. "'And I had to see there were proper certificates, and a letter from her son—' "'What about when he turns up one day?' said Joe. "'He won't,' said the apple-stone rather sadly. "'Then it told us that Mrs. Weber and little Tom really believed their new life story. "'It had become reality for them both. "'And then it asked us to let it go.' "'Missy fell on her knees on the wet ground and tried to pick it up, "'but she couldn't even stir it. "'It was too heavy.' "'My time with you is over,' it said. "'All these exertions have left me spent, "'filled with the dead weight of new experiences, "'and yet more memories, more knowledge. "'You must give me leave to go.' "'Isn't there any way that you can stay with us?' asked Missy. "'For a few moments the stone didn't reply. "'Then it said, very gravely, "'that there was just one way. "'You can hold me a little longer,' it said. "'if yesterday's magic is blotted out.' "'But,' said Joe, 
"'That would mean—' "'It would indeed.' "'Little Tom would be a gargoyle again,' said Nigel. "'Forever.' "'And Mrs. Webber?' I said. "'Would be a dotty old woman, all alone.' There was a long silence. Then the Applestone spoke again. "'On those conditions I can stay, growing heavier and heavier and more weary. You must make your choice, and you must agree on the choice, all of you.' There was another and longer pause. I realized suddenly that the others were waiting for me. I said, "'Go then, Applestone.' "'Yes,' said Joe. "'Go, and let yesterday's magic last.' "'Away,' said Nigel, and added practically. "'We won't be able to pick you up anyway, if you get heavier.' "'We don't want you to be tired,' said Missy, "'so you'll have to go.' We waited. We all looked at Douglas. We waited some more. I felt very cold suddenly. Our cousin gave one of his wilder laughs and said, "'I know what you want me to say, and I'm your guest, and all that. "'I'll oblige you, because I think I can manage on my own now. "'Off you go, Applestone, and have a nice time mulling away in the ground.' "'It occurs to me,' said the stone, "'that you've run yourself into a dangerous position, my boy. "'Ah, well, you've given me release, and I'm grateful. "'In return I'll give you a gift.' "'And then it said,' "'very slowly and carefully, as though it were thinking it out. "'The healer shall know when the moment is ready, "'and the friend will know the word to speak.' "'It asked us to say farewell. "'The dark is coming, and welcome to the dark,' it said, "'the untroubled quiet of the earth and the night, "'the end and the beginning. Say good-bye.' What else could we do? We stood in our damp circle in the orchard, and watched the apple-stone begin to burrow under a tuft of grass. "'Good-bye,' it said, as its golden glow started to vanish from our sight. "'It is always sad to say good-bye. It saddens me, however often I've done it in the past, and must do into eternity. And so, good-bye. Remember me.' "'As if we could forget.' "'There will be traces of me always in your lives.' "'The apple-stone was just a glimmer under the tussock, "'and its voice was becoming muffled, "'yet its last words were clear. "'Good go always with you, my friends and my dears.' "'It was gone. "'The wet orchard seemed a sad and lonely place. "'We moved off toward the house in sombre silence. "'Then Joe said,' "'in a determinedly cheerful voice. "'We got the glove and the elephants to their loved ones. "'And there's our label on a star,' said Nigel. "'It was nice meeting Sir Amias,' I said, "'with that memory warming my mind. "'We'll go and have tea with Lammy Leopard,' cried Missy. "'And Mrs. Blossom's other name is Madame Rickrack,' said Douglas.' A cold wind blew at our backs. We stared at our cousin, and he had an odd expression. His eyes shifted away from ours, and there was a defiant and angry look in them. 
and yet helpless too, as if he'd started on a course in sheer bravado, and would like to back out of it, but didn't know how. My heart sank to my heels. There must be something one could do or say. Someone must say something, anything, to bring him back to us. And Joe said, Get him, Nigel. Say the word. Say it. Say it now. If, said Nigel, there were MacDonalds like you in Glencoe, it's no wonder they got massacred. It was the forbidden word, and it wiped the dark look from Douglas the moment it was spoken. He gave a yell of rage, and tripped Nigel into some nettles, and dived in after him. We left them to it. And that is the end of The Applestone by Nicholas Stewart Gray. Hope you liked it as much as I did, and I'll see you next time for a new book. Oh, you can visit me at www.kray.org and leave me a comment or something if you want to. Bye.